Show with your host, Nigel Roberts. Hi, it's Nigel, and this is Staccato. Vinyl Envy is an independent vinyl record store that sells more than 10,000 new and used LPs and a live music venue that plays host to all styles of music. And their mission is to celebrate local talent whenever possible. But they also love playing host to touring bands passing through town. I caught up with Mike Klein, the owner and Matt Andrade, curator and head of promotions, to discuss everything from the resurgence of vinyl, the current state of DJing, the importance of playing entire sides of a record and not just one track, why vinyl appeals to their customers, some advice on turntables, especially the used ones, and much more. These guys live and breathe music and their knowledge of it is as diverse as it is impressive. Hello everybody, I'm talking with Mike Klein, the owner of Victoria's newest record store, Vinyl Envy, and with Matt Andre, head of promotions and in-house audio engineer. Hi guys, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Our pleasure. In a recent article, one record store owner said, it's hard being an artist, it's hard being a record label, it's hard being a record store, it's hard being a music writer. People just devalue music so much, it's kind of amazing that vinyl is one of the last formats where at least most people care. What are your thoughts about that? I think the devaluation in people's minds came with the digitalization of it and the iTunes factor and streaming factor is because it does make it disposable. There's nothing in your, there's nothing tangible about it. You push a button and you end up with ten songs on your phone. Tied into that, vinyl was supposed to have died sometime around 1991 after being nearly completely superseded by the CD and yet today there seems to be a revival in vinyl, and sales of vinyl records are on the rise. What are your thoughts about this vinyl revival? <sighs> Many. <laughs> um, it sh- first of all, it should never have gone away. Um, and it didn't truly go away. Uh, DJs kept it alive in the 90s, um, spinning you know, vinyl DJs. Um, the, you know, the Techniques 1200 turntables that we all used to beat up. Um, were a saving grace because not many other companies were making turntables either. They, you know, they were making them, but they certainly weren't cranking them out like they were in the 70s. And uh, to watch it kind of come back is, I mean, I don't know a better feeling. It's just a warm feeling. Um, it's, it's like the comeback of something that should never have left in the first place. Um, it feels so much more natural. The digital side of things, completely disregarding the sound aspect of it. It's just, it's not a tangible thing. They kind of, they almost killed the best part of the industry, is about the best way to say it. Um, and what, what do you mean by the best part of the industry? The vinyl aspect of it, the, the, the sales of what the format should be. Um, they, you know, the record companies, they pushed the CD aspect on the general public and then figured out that when everybody started to steal music online 15 years later, that maybe it wasn't the best idea to go digital. And when they did, um, it cost them like billions of dollars for a decade 
where they weren't making any money on selling music. Everybody was stealing it. But um, I'm just thankful that it's back. There's no other way to say it. It's one of those things that should never left. It's kind of like the book industry. It should never leave. Um, there's a very parallel line to draw between the two formats, and the computer is the thing that changed everything about it. And we're all, you know, we're all good with that aspect. But it doesn't mean it should completely disappear, and it doesn't have to be thought of as a dinosaur thing, because it's not. Mm -hmm. It's just the better format. Brian Eno has a really good quote uh, that I read recently. I think he did a BBC Radio 6 interview where he was talking um, just about working in Berlin and, and his just experience with music. And he says, uh, the aspects about a medium that you initially hate will eventually turn come around to be what defines it and why you love it. And you can hearken that to blues music and people going towards lo-fi recordings because they want to get that really, like, you know, one microphone kind of feeling, um, like the Alan Lomax recordings where he would record a blues a musician right in their living room. Um, people are trying to emulate that. They try to emulate that now. And I feel like the world that we live in, because everything is so exponentially, in my opinion, oversaturated, film, music, lots of different mediums do this, we have so many options. When you're bombarded by options, you're going to really come back to the one option that kind of, like, what, what's going to pull you in? And, and with vinyl, I think it's the tangibility, like you were saying, and it's the, the digging Authentic through the collection. The authenticity of it. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. And that's not to say that digital music doesn't have an authenticity. It's just not... The searching for it is, is a totally different thing. But it wasn't until I started playing music and started delving into records, record shops where I started realizing that a whole album is this like piece of art. And it's crafted in that way. Like There's a reason why these songs are in this order and recorded in a certain way. And a reason why some songs are on side two and side one. I can't see myself picking individual songs anymore. I don't. I, I don't. play album size in the store all the time. I, we I, never we never play one song at a time. Yeah. We just never do. Yeah. We're not lazy. We just think that actually a record should be played at least half of it through. You have to get a feel for the what the artist is actually trying to get across. Yeah. It's a piece of work. It's not one song. Yeah. It's a piece of work. That's interesting. I mean, and on top of that, the artwork on top of it? Yeah. That's a whole other story. Simon Cole the CEO of 7Digital, a UK-based platform for creating digital music and radio services, says there's a physical thing about putting a record on a record table and dropping the needle. Cole says, I think that physical thing is great. I think that there's a new generation that is discovering the physicality of playing a piece of music like that. I feel like in the store every day when you, when you see... You see, you see young kids and you see kids come into a store and just the intrigue on their face and and the amount of records that they see and diving through even just one one small little section and, and seeing a cover or a name they've never heard of before. Like, that is the, the magic of, of digging around for vinyl. I think, to tap onto what Matt said a little bit earlier, one of the, one of the coolest isn't really the word, one of the sweetest things to actually see is to watch a 15-year-old kid walk in that's ever actually been in a record store or not been very many in May or very many of them. And to pick up something like, oh, I don't know, um, 
like the Sgt. Pepper record we were just looking at a few minutes ago, and finding a book inside of it and turning the pages of it and seeing it put out on Apple Records because they'd never seen the Apple label before. All of those things kind of, you can physically see the change of their face when they see it. And we, Matt and I have fun in the store because we have bad copies of records and we hide them in a specific spot underneath the counter. And we give them away to younger kids because they may have a skip or two on them and they may not be overly clean or anything like that. But um, the look on 15 and 20, even 20 year old guys' faces when we go, hey, do you have, do you have Black Sabbath um, Sabotage? Because we've got a copy of it down here. It skips once, we can't sell it. So, um, do you want it? And they just, they light up like a Christmas tree. Because it's fun to be able to do that. It should be passed along. Yeah. Um, it should be given away in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's a skip on it. But I mean, 11 out of the 12 songs played perfectly. <laughs> and yes, we'll tell you where the skip is, you're, or you'll find it the first time. Yeah. And you'll make sure to avoid it so you don't wreck your needle. But um, it's, it's fun to actually give music away. Yeah. The interesting thing about that, too, is that now that's the story that they can tell about how they, how they got were introduced to that record. Yeah. Um, and maybe they've never heard of the band, or they heard of the band and they've mm-hmm. never heard the whole record. Mm-hmm. That kind of ties back to the whole listening to the whole record as a piece of, of art. Right? Yeah, I have I have, a cus- I have customers that um, they they say, well, I, I offer them like a new copy or a used copy. Like there'll be a copy of Beatles or Soul, and I have a used one. And they go, No, no, I use one. And I said, I asked one of them one day. I said, Why do you want to use one? And he goes, just out of, it didn't matter to me in any way, shape, or form, but I just, I wanted his, I wanted his input. And he goes, I want to know that it's traveled through a few other hands before it actually got to mine. I want the story of, if you can tell me actually even who you bought it from, that would improve the whole thing. But I want the used copy to know that it's probably been through a few families oh. before it got to me, so I can listen to it. And how old was this guy? He was like 23, maybe. Like, yeah, a little bit of insight for a young man. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a lot of humanity in that. Because that's that's part of being human is the passing on of knowledge, passing Mm -hmm. on of something. Yeah. And you're connected to these people you don't know. Yeah. It's art. I mean, yeah, we have to run a business to make money out of it. Sure. But it's still art. And art should be, if possible, given away to a certain extent or passed on or shared in whatever form that happens to take. It should still be shared. Can you comment on your approach of getting customers to discover new music on vinyl? Um, the interesting thing about things like Songza and um, those those online sources and ways of like to stream basically radio stations that are mood based. There, it's really interesting. You go on Songza and you can say, you know, I'm having a couple people over for dinner, and I mean, this is an exaggeration, of course, but. And it's raining, and we're having roast beef and potatoes. What should I listen to? And, like I'm, in a, can, and I'm in a blue mood. And I'm in a blue mood, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's, it's a, I have many friends my age, many of my peers, that that's how they primarily discover new artists. But that's not their primary choice in how to listen to music. They just discover it that way, and then they make a list, they look, up, look in, out for the albums, and they, they'll pick up the ones that they want to hear. In addition to being a vinyl record shop, Vinyl Envy is also a venue for live music, and one of the great groups that's played at Vinyl Envy is the Half Moonshine, Victoria's only all-female, Canadiana, 
doo-wop, surf rock, spaghetti western, rock and roll country band. Let's listen to them performing their song, Passing By, from their album, Do Right. Back with Mike Klein and Matt Andrade from Vinyl Envy. What do you think it is about vinyl that appeals to your customers? It's culture. It's it's a tangible culture. It it there's no negatives about it. The, the negative that the industry sold us a long time ago was the fact that it takes up too much space and it's heavy. Yeah, it it still does. It takes up a lot of space and it's heavy. <laughs> but you know what? It's the way you're supposed to be listening to music. Um, it's 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 a deeply rooted culture. The thing that we haven't talked about tonight more than anything else is the artwork that goes along with it. Because it's a package. You're buying a period in somebody or some band's life that they consciously put together to look like this, to sound like this, in this order, to tell this story. And, and that doesn't even go into the lyrical content. And the lyrical content is more important than almost anything on it. What kinds of music genres are your customers most interested in, or is it all over? Um, it's relatively all over. Um, you know, classic rock tells it always will. Um, blues, jazz of certain pockets um, will sell feverishly if you get really good blues and really good jazz. What kind of pockets are you talking about? Um, jazz in particular would be mid-50s to early 70s kind of thing. That's kind of the pocket of really, you know, the best jazz ever created, really. Um, humble opinion, of course. <laughs> and only one man's opinion. But um, blues, pretty much anything up until about 1970. There's been a little, there's been other guys, but sure. the 30s and 40s and 50s blues stuff is off the chart good. Um, a lot of soul, a lot of people interested in soul. Like Motown, funk. We sell a lot of Stevie Wonder out of this store. A lot of it. Um, Marvin Gaye will go and very quickly. Um, James Brown. A lot of the major players. Who are some of the, the best-selling blues and jazz artists from your store? Um... John Lee Hooker, Muddy Waters, um, Skip James, um, Albert King, Albert King, yeah, the, the the big guys from blues, yeah, yeah, and um, until somebody can really hear it, I mean, we play blues in the store very regularly, um, and it always helps to to play it in the store to get somebody to turn get turned on to it, but once somebody's kind of into the blues, they're there, like they don't. They may not come out for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, people have different, we all have different windows to get in um, mm-hmm. on, you know, I didn't listen to jazz for the first 30 years of my life, and then all of a sudden, now I listen to it constantly. How did I get in there? 
somebody has to introduce you, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could have been the cheesiest jazz I heard in the, on the planet, but at least it introduced to me, and it was the door in, and then after that you start to dive into more diverse stuff and find your spot in it, I guess. Well, you used to DJ, um, yeah. and that's a, that's a whole sort of interesting culture when it comes to digging into vinyl too in the 90s. Yeah. There's a bit of a battle going on presently. It's it's basically about a 50-50 thing because for such a long time it was obviously vinyl. And then when it went digital, guys are showing up with an iPod and a, uh, you know, a can, of sure. a can of beer and a nice hat and going on stage. It's kind of, <laughs> they, make, they, they make the moves like they actually are doing something back there and they put their hand up in the in the little love circle and everything and dance around and they look cute and wear weird clothes and whatever and yeah. suits yeah. And suits and yeah. yeah whatever but it's that's not that's not DJing not not to the guys that digit it that literally did it from vinyl and learned how to beat mix properly and you know the one head set to the side of the head and, and disc trying jockey. to read the room and the whole thing that's, it's, you, you that's can't an art form you man. can't have a term called disc jockey without a disc yeah, yeah. <laughs> right I mean have you seen the turntables I actually use they look like they're well they look like they're miniature versions of a turntable they're two little faux turntables like what why did you even bother showing up without the iPad? Just, just bring the iPad. Yeah. Really? <laughs> it's all there. <laughs> if you both had to move to a desert island and could only take five records each, what would they be? And I know that the answer would probably be different depending on the day of the week. But let's start with you, uh, Matt. Okay. Good. You need to give me a few more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Oh, man. That's a tough one. Um, the Point by Harry Nelson. First time I heard it, I, I loved it. So I was like, absolutely, like, and I just kind of, like, really, really delved into collecting Harry Nelson from there. So I'd have to say that. Ram by Paul McCartney, Paul and Linda. Oh, yeah. Um, hugely inspiring production-wise uh, record. You can tell that when the Beatles broke up that he kind of had this, there was this crazy momentum that Paul kept up with. I mean, he followed that with Band on the Run and... Um, they're really high energy records and very well produced. Um, I feel like the other members didn't have that kind of momentum, didn't really have as much momentum as, as Paul did, so I'd have to say that. Um, Frank Zappa's Cruising with Ruben and the Jets, which is a one-off doo-wop album that they did. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting because they were recording another album and then they kind of got a little, like, writer's block, I guess you'd say, and they started to get nostalgic and took a little break, and they started talking about how when they grew up, it was all this doo-wop stuff they were listening to. So they did this sort of satirical, facetious doo-wop album um, where the high harmonies are just, like, totally wacky and totally, like, you can tell they're just, like, in a way making fun of but showing appreciation for at the same time. That that one stands out for me. Uh, the Grand Wazoo by Frank Zappa as well, which is, uh, that'd be number four. It's only five songs, but it's fantastic. I discovered that for 89 cents. Uh, and uh, the last one would probably be Brian Eno's Another Green World, which was sort of his foray away from glam rock and into ambient music. It's very personal, so I would, I would need that one. And Mike, your five desert island choices. Well, now, <laughs> now that we know Matt's not from this planet. <laughs> um, the first one that pops in my mind is Steely Dan Asia. I think it's an absolute masterpiece from beginning to end. Um, and genre-defining jazz, rock, 
in the same record, perfected to me. Um, older stuff, I would probably go with um, Revolver because it's Beatles Revolver, just because it's so damn happy, but it's also a little, just a touch introspective into what happens when something blows up really big and then watching the writing that goes along with it. Mm. Because it's, it's a pretty pretty cool read. Um, not not really in depth, but honestly just a cool read from a perspective. Um, I would say uh, Inner Vision, Stevie Wonder, uh, I think is a math, again another master stroke from virtually one guy. It's pretty pretty jaw-dropping. From the jazz side of things, that's hard to pick one or two. Um, Miles Davis, uh, Sketches of Spain, I just think is, again, another masterpiece. I could, you know, I could say uh, Kind of Blue, but there's, you know, there's, there's so much stuff that he did that I'm thoroughly impressed with. I'm a bit of a, a Miles Davis addict. Well, one blues album. You could only take one blues one album. One blues album? Yeah. Um, Probably a probably Sunhouse. Sunhouse. Yeah, okay. Sunhouse has got that. It feels, it feels as real as it gets. It doesn't I don't think it, it, it can feel any more real than that. There is um, there's a Mississippi um, Fred McDowell record I do not play no rock and roll, which I am quite enamored with these days. Um, the Clash London Calling is probably. Yeah, the closer on the deal. Because it's just such a fantastic record from the end. And I don't, I don't see a weak point, and it covers fourteen different kind of styles of music on one record, and does it all well. Yeah. It's just an incredible record. Thanks, guys. It's been great. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely, our pleasure. Mine too. Thanks to Mike Klein and Matt Andrade from Vinyl Envy for taking the time to talk to us today, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Staccato, please share it with your friends. Yo, this is Sky, Alexa, and Noelle, and we're representing the Split Personalities. You're tuning in to the Staccato Show with your host, Nigel Roberts. Mm-hmm.